Hey, where are you going, Jim? The elevator's over here. Taking the stairs. But our meeting's up on 8. Yeah, I know. But that's eight floors up. That's like eight times eight. I don't A lot of stairs. That's the point. I've already lost a few pounds and earned almost $100 in wellness incentives. Whoa, you're getting rewarded for working out? Yeah, I know. I'm just as surprised as you are, Bob. Fearless is full of surprises. That's the power of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Federal Employee Program. Learn more about our healthy benefits and sign up at fepblue.org slash choose blue by December 11th. You are Locked On Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to a Locked On Crossover. I'm Robert Land from Locked On Texans. Back with Locked On Colts, Matt Danley. Great to talk to you again. It's another simulcast between the two of us and the huge game this week. And it's always a big game when the Texans and Colts meet. It seems like there's always really something at stake in the last few years. Let me ask you, is there a big difference between the Colts that we saw earlier this season and what, how you guys are performing right now? Uh, I think there is. Uh, there's a uh, if you want to just look at it as a, in a broad uh, with a broad brush, the Colts right now are playing well, despite uh, some of their uh, lackluster areas. You know, uh, obviously, Andrew Luck's playing phenomenal level, but the rest of the team, nothing else is consistent. I think that the Colts are a better team than the Texans right now. If you were to just put them two on the field 10 times, I think the Colts win seven to eight out of 10 times. You know, that really is hard to tell, though, when you look at all the injuries that have that have come up, you know, and, and the Colts are injured week to week, you know, with different guys. Both these teams have huge holes. And I really do just think that the uh, the end result of these two current teams is that Andrew Luck's the, the far better quarterback and that makes them the better team i mean it's it's so hard to tell they're both so flawed right now but uh yeah i think uh, i think they're playing a little bit better i think they've got a little bit of a hot streak in them uh and i think uh on the other side houston really doesn't have uh much of a an identity at the at the moment and i think that's going to help have them struggle a little bit do you feel like there was much collateral damage that happened after the texans beat the colts or do you think that's going to play a role at all in this game the fact that they were able to Make the great comeback on national television. No, I, I don't think that it's been so. Now, if that was, if we were talking about, you know, some of the how they'll have a, a, a two or three week difference in between games with them, but I, I don't think that'll play any. That was in week six. I mean, we're we're closing in on week fourteen right now. I don't think that'll have any bearing on this at all. And I, I really think that the Colts have a downhill mind frame going into uh, the rest of these games. They have no choice but to try to plow people. And if they can get it done, they need to get it done. And I'm hoping that they all have this killer instinct. And I, and I, when I say all, I mean coaches, because they can't afford to allow any wiggle room, anybody to come back. And they really just have to learn how to stop on the uh, opponent's neck, you know, when it comes to third quarter and they've got a lead. Uh, and they have to they have to be able to play intelligent football. Those two things will help them greatly with their schedule the rest of the the year. And it's a coin flip. You never know what you're really going to see uh, until, you know, basically the game's over. You don't really know how things are going to turn because they've been so hot in one half, cold in the other. And then it flipped uh, after about week five and it went to the other direction. They were cold in the second half and then hot in the first half. And it, you just don't know what you're going to see. Now they seem to be putting together a little more, uh, balanced, uh, game plan throughout the four quarters. So we'll see. There are three major personnel things going on that I've seen so far this week. And, 
it might not seem like a major thing to the rest of the NFL, but the Texans getting back Jalen Strong this week as a possibility. He is now practicing, and I mentioned this in yesterday's show. That's a big thing because the Colts know that maybe he hasn't done anything against anybody else, but he sure has against the Colts, huh? <laughs> yeah, he's Jeez. he's done a, a he's been fantastic, and you know the two touchdowns, his first two touchdowns in the NFL were against the Colts on national television, and the first game last season between the two teams, and then the second game he scored a touchdown. Uh, from a Brandon Whedon pass. And then the, this past game, he had that huge play at the end of the game that set up the game-winning field goal by Nick Novak. So that that's a big factor. And really, the Texans have been fighting issues with injuries all through the year at wide receiver. We talked about it in yesterday's show, but you know, between Will Fuller and Braxton Miller and Jalen Strong, and these are all young guys that are just trying to get their footing in the NFL and they've all been in and out. And then Jonathan Joseph was another story uh, that came out over the last few days. He came out of the game against Green Bay. He's a major factor in the Texans secondary, obviously, the, the veteran back there. And he has a, two cracked ribs and a bruised lung. They haven't counted him out, believe it or not, for this yeah, Sunday's game. But uh, he might not play. And then I wanted to ask you about uh, what's going on with you guys and Dequell Jackson, the suspension, the PED suspension. How big a deal is that there? Personally, I think it's a huge deal. You're going to hear the same coach speak that you hear from just about anybody who's in the NFL about next guy up, we're all going to work our butts off. And that's basically, you know, I think that Chuck Pagano rolls out of bed with cliches just falling out of his mouth. And that's basically where he's at. So, I mean, you can take all the coach speak out of it and try to make your own uh, uh, thought process on it. But I think that it's a big deal because, and I wrote a piece about this for Fan Rag Sports uh, the other day, uh, specifically to uh, both of these issues, the PEDs and the Colts' current linebacker conundrum, if you want to call it that. C.O. Moore was on the team, and they, they basically slotted him in preseason to he was going to be the starter, and whoever was going to try to beat him out uh, you know, was had an uphill battle. And he was junk in the in the season they they got rid of him then they finally put in edwin jackson who's a young guy an up-and-coming guy and has done a pretty good job but he is that second or third inside linebacker you know typically if you're looking at a good quality nfl team he might be the third linebacker uh in, in that group in, a, in an inside uh rotation but he's good enough and this colts team to, to be the second and now he's going to end up being the quarterback of the defense because Dequell Jackson's gone, and I had, uh, you know, I, I I don't want to rant any further on the PEDs. I put a on yesterday's show, uh, I ranted on that for a little bit. I just think these guys are stupid for that. It just drives me nuts, and they all try to come up with an excuse. Basically, it's selfish, and they put their team in a huge hole, especially the Colts with their linebacker situation as it is. They have struggles covering from that inside linebacker position as it is. And now they're going to have guys like Dion King, people that you, nobody has any idea who they are for the most part. Josh McNary is going to get some rotation in there and Antonio Morrison. And he's the real thumper there. And he's a really he's like Dequell in that regard about uh, as far as run stopping. But he's absolutely awful against the pass. I mean, absolutely awful. It's just not even he can't pay attention long enough to cover anybody out of the backfield or a tight end or anything. It's just uh, unreal. How, how bad he is and how he just has no ability whatsoever to cover in the past game. And he was he had been regulated basically back to uh, special teams help because he was so bad. And so this is a huge deal. 
I mean, they brought a guy up the other day from the practice squad. Nobody knows anything about him. He and King are both rookies. It's a huge void. I mean, they've got to really be creative in how they're going to switch guys in and out, what their sub packages are going to look like, or it's going to be a field day with the tight ends and the running backs uh, this week. It's just uh, a scary situation, but, you know, nobody would ever accuse Dequell Jackson of being a great coverage linebacker. But he's better than the alternative, and that's kind of where they're at. Well, speaking of uh, a guy that's not really a great coverage linebacker, or at least any more he is, and he used to be a, a really good one, and, and a guy that also had a PED suspension. Uh, we got one right here in Houston, uh, Brian Cushing, PED suspension and all. Uh, guess what? He was nominated uh, this past week for the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award. So, <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> so there you go. So there's hope for Dequell Jackson down the road. He can be a Man of the Year Award candidate. He's got to stop punching pizza delivery guys first. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, that was that was last year's offseason. Oh, that's not good at all. Well, let me ask yeah. let me ask you uh, about the, the game itself and – what what do you think uh, might be different that you've seen from the Colts the last few weeks that, that they didn't show in the Texans game? The one thing that I'm looking at is I'm really hoping at some point, and I've asked this from uh, the coach and I asked this from the quarterback, why the Texans haven't sped up their offense a little bit. It's it's a offense that doesn't do hurry up. You'd hardly ever see it unless they're behind trying to play catch up late in the game, and you don't see – quick snap counts and you know both Brock Osweiler and Bill O'Brien gave me the answer well that sounds like you know maybe we should do that and you know it it, it almost was like I, I was coming up with something that uh, they they hadn't thought about or they had forgotten about or something like that but I asked him about that before the Green Bay game nothing changed there but that was weird field conditions and with the success that they had at the end of the game against the Colts you would think that might be something that could change with the Texans what about the Colts? Uh, well, specifically with the Colts, the last time they went around, uh, T.Y. only caught three balls and their tight ends only had six total targets. The Colts are phenomenally better when they go after teams with their tight ends. Eight to ten targets a game, uh, that's needed just to mix it up. And not only that, but then you have Gore getting uh, 22 carries, the 100 yards, finally. You know, that's something that he's continued to do is carry the ball well. Now, uh, I wouldn't say that he's averaging for and a half to five yards per carry. But all year, he's been that guy who can at least get you three, no matter what. Anytime he gets more than a couple carries in a row, the defense is going to stop him at the line of scrimmage. That's just the way it goes. Because this this Colts offensive line just does not run block or pass block uh, effectively enough to do anything the same (laughs) twice or three times in a row. But Chester Rogers was... Uh, a guy who who led the team in receptions in the last game with four four catches, and I think he was close to seventy yards, I think sixty five or something like that. But their defense has also come to play. Now you take those three uh, interceptions they had this past week out of the game against the Jets, and they still covered really well. It was something that they've struggled all year. They only had three interceptions on the season before that, but they're defending the passes better. Uh, the biggest problem right now is that our best corner can't cover deep. And that's an issue against some speedsters, and especially if uh, Will Fuller does come back to play or any of these guys get matched up with Vontae Davis, then Vontae's going to get beat deep. Patrick Robinson's an issue right now because he's in and out of health right now. They really like using Darius Butler at the safety position as a, he you know was basically their slot corner, used a lot in nickel situations. And we've got uh, Clayton Gethers, who's 
more than likely not going to play, and he's definitely uh, one of two or three best defenders on the team. You've got a bunch of issues on defense, but they've got a lot of guys that they're moving in and out. So they're probably this week is the biggest cram session on defense that they've seen all year uh, with some new faces and some guys who are at least going to get a healthy snap count because of other injuries. There's a lot of things different. I mean, you go through the season and it's been five or six weeks, a lot of things change. And so I think it's just the general turnover of a season for that matter. But right now, like I said, you've got Andrew Luck on absolute fire. As long as his offensive line can protect him, I truly believe that the Colts should put up at least 30 points. And the thing on the other hand uh, for the Texans is they've been unable to put up what they put up against the Colts last time ever since. They put up 26 in week six. And they've been unable to outscore 24 points to this point uh, ever since. And they've only done that once. I have a couple 20-point games and then, you know, 9 and 17 and stuff like that. So I think the Colts are just naturally a, a better firepower team. And the Texans are a better defense. And who wins that battle is going to mean everything. Because on the other sides of the ball, you've got a terrible Texans offense right now and a pretty stinking terrible Colts defense. Those two teams, you're going to let the three-year-olds go out and beat each other up. And then you put the big boys on the field. And that's what's going to determine the end result in the game. One of the things that I, I think is going to be interesting is just that uh, this division and what happens and who's going to win the division who's the favorite going in where do you mm -hmm. what do you see happening from here on out I mean I'm, I'm interested from the other perspective uh because as a as a Texans fan it looked really good a, a couple of weeks ago and I think that the Chargers game was a real key loss for them at home mm -hmm. and now I feel like the most complete team in the division to me looks like the Tennessee Titans what do you think I do think that they are but I don't think that they can put enough wins up to surpass one of the other teams in the league and being that the Colts have beaten them twice I think that that's the one thing that would keep the Titans out uh is just the tiebreaker I don't think that they can I think they can get nine wins I don't think they can get 10 and they've got the most difficult schedule of the three between the Colts Texans and Titans as they go down the road here uh but they've like you said they've also got the most complete team that's a fact it's really hard to tell you just never know in the AFC South any matchup it doesn't even make a difference and the Jaguars uh, showed that last year. Even with an average Colts team going up against a terrible Jacksonville team, the Jaguars put up a 50-burger on the Colts. And that was embarrassing. But that doesn't happen very often, no matter what the two teams are. And I mean, there's never blowouts in this division. And there's very seldom blowouts in a lot of other divisions. You put two teams on the field that have something to play for, you're going to have a good game. You're going to have a really tight uh, bang up game and I think that those three teams right now now the Colts and Titans don't play each other again do you guys play the Titans again yeah we've got the we've got all three division games and the Bengals are Oof. left on the schedule uh, so that that's our last four games and the Bengals game is on Christmas Eve and the Bengals I would assume are going to be ready just to, to it's 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 here in Houston and I'm assuming they're they're going to have mailed it in at that point without mm -hmm. AJ Green and the injuries that they've got Right. So I, I think the key games really the rest of the way are this game with the Colts and then the last game of the season, we've got the Titans, and that's where, it's good, that's where it could come down to. It could boil down to that. You're right. Uh, that's, that's, you know, it's just so hard to tell. Like I said, I think that the Titans are the best team front to back in the roster uh, on both sides of the ball. I think the Colts are the most explosive team of the three. I think the Colts can put up more points than any other of the other three. And I think that the Texans are a team who are completely reliant on their defense and uh, explosive plays, and they're not.
I'm getting a lot of those. And I think it's just you never know who's going to come to play, what situation is going to uh, present itself in each game. This game this week, it's hard to make a decision on on if you're throwing a prediction out. Uh, my prediction is definitely that the Colts should win by 10 because I think they should. Now, and I'm looking at to just scoring opportunities. You know what I mean? If you were to tell me that the Texans won by 10, I wouldn't be a whole lot surprised by that either, you know, because the Colts can certainly dig a hole in a hurry. It only took seven minutes for the Texans to come back last time by two scores and put it into overtime and win. That's something that the Colts absolutely cannot allow to happen. All three teams are uh, dangerous when it comes to them playing each other. It's just one of those. It's like a, an area football game. You know, you got two rival football teams. One could be number two in the state and the other could be uh, unranked. But you put those guys on the team or on the field together, and there's a lot of stuff that comes into play other than record and and rank. Yeah, that's that's pretty typical in the NFL, the division games. It's like two fighters that know each other, so they, they kind of know what to expect. I don't want to scare you, by the way, but Brock Osweiler said after the Green Bay game, and he reiterated at the press conference uh, yesterday, which, uh, which I was at, he said, yeah, that the Texans' offense is – we're, we're, it's it's on the verge of breaking out. There's it's about to happen, and <laughs> yeah. Well, I would I would hope so after 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 week thirteen, it, it should have been broken out a long time ago. They've got the weapons. He definitely uses his tight ends, which is, in my opinion, a, fairing, a fantastic thing from for a quarterback to do. You know, use the use your security blankets inside, but he's also got that big playability downfield, and that's something that I just don't understand their offensive play calling maybe have a little bit to do with it. But he's made some really bad decisions, and he's just not taking the opportunities to try to stretch the field when he does have the opportunity, and he's got some of the weapons to do that. I mean, if, if he's waiting for a breakout at Week 14, I think he's a little crazy because eventually uh, you get yourself into a – it's almost muscle memory at this point. What are you used to? What have you been doing for throughout the uh, the first 12 weeks, 13 weeks of the season? And throwing the ball downfield is not that. That doesn't mean that he can't. He uses that seam pretty well. So we'll see. But I think if he uses the, if he goes downfield at all, it's going to be to his tight end. Yeah, you're right. It's nobody here sees anything changing. Uh, it just feels it feels like we live through Groundhog's Day with the with the quarterback, and it seems like mm. with our quarterbacks the last few years and. It, it's pretty pretty frustrating. It's gotten old, and we're interested to see what, what could happen there. You know, Tom Savage, who people kind of wanted to take a look at, he had a pretty decent preseason this this past uh, preseason, and he had a elbow infection or arm infection, some weird infection in his throwing arm right before the Green Bay game, ended up in the hospital, so he wasn't even available. Brandon Whedon was active for that game. Uh, Brandon Whedon, which you guys saw a little bit last year, uh, but I think the – Texans fans would just want to see anybody else at quarterback right now uh, besides Brock uh, of those other two guys just to see what would happen because it's yeah it's the same thing over and over again and let me ask you about that what exactly is the fans or the media's take on that is it we already dumped a, a boatload of cash on this guy and we're just going to ride it out or is it you know hey <laughs> anybody else want to take snaps from Tom Savage to get him ready you know I mean what's what's the outlook from everybody down there about that well, you know, fans. I mean, it's uh, let's let's see who else is, can play. We don't, they don't care about what a guy makes. And look, you can keep playing a guy just because he's making that amount of money, and they can start doing that, you know, ne again next year. And you know, he, he's going to be on the roster next year because he's he's guaranteed so much money going into next year. It's 
you know, after next year they can let him go and that's the end of that. But uh, I, I just think uh, if that's your mentality, if your mentality is we're going to play him because we're paying him the money, that's the, that's not the right mentality for an NFL management. And that's the problem sometimes with the Texans is you, you wonder what their mentality is as far as winning and how important they put that and where they put it as far as mediocrity is concerned. And, you know, they, they must really think Tom Savage has no potential. He's a guy that they've been, you know, coddling and working with for, you know, three years now. He was a guy that, uh, you know, has a great arm, great physical tools. He's got all the physical tools. He looked terrible in the first game that he got out there and looked like he was didn't even belong on a college field, much less an NFL field, in his first action against the Colts two years ago. You guys might remember that. That was up in Indianapolis. But – you know, since then, he's, you know, he's, I think he's much better from what we've seen. It's just uh, the, the big concern with Savage is uh, might, might be that he holds on to the ball sometimes a little bit too long. But, you know, you, you kind of want to see w- what he's got. You know, you don't wish any injury on a player. But if, you know, Brock Osweiler missed a couple of series, you'd be interested to see what Savage would do if he came in just to see if uh, there's any potential there or maybe he could ignite something or get something going or whatever. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the fans would – I think they would love to see somebody else. But, you know, it's it's almost to the point in Houston where, you know, we just we know. We know what's going to happen. We know, oh, it's we're going to run out the same GM every year and he's going to be kind of mediocre and occasionally hit with a guy and occasionally – but miss with some really important draft picks. And, you know, the, the, the coach is going to be – pretty much the same it, it took that two and 14 to, to get rid of Kubiak after you know he spent the first five years not making the playoffs before he actually did of course now he's a Super Bowl winning coach so I don't know you know where you throw him into the mix of coaches around the NFL I think he's uh I think he's better than average or maybe he's average but I think a lot of that has to do with what what Denver does as far as personnel goes in the GM position and stuff like that the other thing that killed him when he was in Houston, by the way, for, for those that didn't know, is the first few years his defensive coordinator was a, was a disaster. And then they finally put a gun to his head and said, you, you, you're going to hire Wade Phillips, and that's what changed things around. And you've seen what Wade Phillips has done in Denver. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, the situation here, it's, it's a – the fans are frustrated and, you know, let's run somebody else out there. I mean, there's no question they want to see somebody else, and they're, they're tired of what they've seen from Brock Osweiler. But, you know, they also, they also have that thing that, well, this is the way it is. That's the way it's going to be, and – that's kind of what we're stuck with, and, it, and, it, and it's gotten really frustrating from that perspective. So you think it's going to be a blowout, basically? I think it should be at least a two-score game. I really do. Ten points, I think, is fair, but I think it could be as many as 17. And I feel stupid because I actually picked the game against the Jets last week, 31-13 for the Colts, and I don't pick blowouts. You call it a feeling about the way that they're playing, their mentality, uh, on the field, how you can see that they're all very deliberate in what they're doing. I just feel like the Colts know that they absolutely have to just step on the neck of their opponents every week if they get the opportunity. And I wouldn't say that I feel that way. You know what? It, it, it's hard for me to gauge their coaching, but it's just it's aggravating sometimes. But I, I really feel like everybody's on the same page on the organization right now. And it's something that I can't say that I felt at all this year uh, until recently. And it just seems like everybody's in lockstep with each other, with the coaching staff and the players. I just have to assume that they should at least win by 10. And it wouldn't surprise me if it was a little bit more than that. Now, you have you guys have uh, some notable uh, injuries as well. 
what is Jadavion Clowney? And, you know, maybe uh, like you spoke of earlier, Jonathan Joseph, what is their opportunity to play, first of all? I mean, because they didn't practice on Wednesday, but how significant is them not being in the lineup? Well, I mean, Clowney's huge because he's been fantastic against the run. His, his pass rush, the, the one thing that you were kind of hoping that he would bring uh, when you drafted him was that incredible pass rush. Uh, maybe it's not there, but it's hard to say because he's, he's probably double teamed more than he ever would be if J.J. Watt was playing. So who knows with that? But, you know, he's, he's not J.J. Watt, and the Texans' pass rush is not good, and they had nothing against Green Bay. Would have loved to see them, you know, throw a blitz in, throw, throw, throw some more pressure at Green Bay. You, you had to take that chance. You just couldn't let – you can't let Aaron Rodgers just sit back there. And same thing with, with Andrew Luck. You just can't let that type of guy sit back there and stand there all day and, and just wait till somebody gets open. So Clowney's a, a big deal from the run perspective, but he also, it would help. He would give you something on the pass rush perspective, which they really had nothing last week. And uh, Joseph's huge because they've, they've lost Kevin Johnson for the season. Uh, they've had guys nicked up. Uh, Kareem Jackson's been nicked up off and on this year. And Boye uh, was, was out for a game uh, recently. So, and and it's just they've they've lost a lot of that depth that they had at quarterback, so that's that's a big deal. And obviously, you know, with T. Y. Hilton, uh, I don't know who they put on him. Uh, so I won't be interested to find out wh- what they do with that. But yeah, th- those are those are big deals. Especially, I think Joseph might be bigger this week than uh, even Clowney goes. But I, mm-hmm. I think I think Clowney should be. It seems like he'd be more likely to play. It's it's been kind of wrist and hand issues with him, which seems a little bit. Uh, lighter than say a bruised or bruised uh, lung and cracked ribs and stuff like that. I mean, that just doesn't sound good at all. No, it doesn't. That it sounds crazy to me that they wouldn't even rule him out. Now, what is everybody's thoughts on O'Brien too? I want to, I want to kind of get this because as the team uh, has these games every so often where they just seem to crumble, you know what I mean? And it seems like it's such a downtrodden feel around the organization and you've got O'Brien there and, and he's, you know, the way he is, and then it gets to the quarterback talk and the defense talk. You guys have injuries. Watt's been out all year. You know, what's the thought process uh, around him? What's the thought process on that he can lead the the Texans into the playoffs this year? Well, overall, and I've said this uh, a few times, and I I don't think it's hyperbole. I think he was actually really good. His teams were really good in the fourth quarter. And recently, though, they haven't been good in the fourth quarter, but I think that has more to do with the fact that the defense is out on the field all the time and the offense doesn't give you a whole lot. And what happens is the defense, you know, at some point they're going to crack and it's going to happen in the fourth quarter when they're tired and they've been out on the field a lot. And that's, that's an issue that uh, has everything to do with the offense and Brock Osweiler. And, you know, me personally, and I've been talking about this more and more, you know, he's to me, he's not coming back unless you, you tell him, look, you're going to get an offensive coordinator. I mean, that's mm-hmm. just, that's got to happen. God see is not the answer. There's a lot of things that I've seen offensively this year, as much as any year where I just don't see the, the creativity. I don't think they're using personnel correctly. Uh, Matt, Brock, I, I feel like he's a guy that uses Brock Osweiler uh, to, to, to how he wants a quarterback being used. And I feel like Bill O'Brien's kind of, he gets stuck sometimes. And, you know, I'm sure he's backed off on the playbook with Brock. And I'm sure there's things that he's done with Brock that, uh, he hasn't done with the the two vet, the two veteran quarterbacks that he had that had played a little bit more 
and Hoyer and Ryan Fitzpatrick. And, you know, that, that could very well be the case, but they're just things that I've seen offensively that, that need to change. As far as the fan base goes, I, I don't think they would care if O'Brien came back or didn't. I think they don't think, I don't think the feeling is O'Brien is the main issue. The quarterback's obviously the main issue. Uh, they're not a huge fan of the GM. That's never changed a, a ton. But uh, I think that Rick Smith's very, you know, he's pretty mediocre as far as GMs go. And that's fine if you want to be mediocre. And that's what the Texans seem to be about. But I think the biggest thing for me is with O'Brien is uh, the defense has been great all three years. And, uh, you know, with J.J. Watt, it seems like it should have been great. But without J.J. Watt this year, that was very impressive. And Romeo Cornell's done a great job. We don't know, by the way, if Romeo is going to be back either because uh, there's talk that he might be near retirement. And one of the things is Matt, Matt, uh, Mike Vrabel, the linebackers coach, who's a kind of assistant defensive coordinator, he was a guy that was being looked at it for other jobs last year. Didn't was might have been offered other defensive coordinator jobs. Didn't take them. So we assume maybe they've told him, you know, just behind the scenes that look, uh, Romeo's about to retire, and you're, you're going to take over as soon as he's done. So th- that's the that's my guess is what what might happen there. But defensively, overall, I, I've never had too many complaints about Romeo. But offensively, that that's got to change. And uh, O'Brien. He's not pop, you know. He's never going to be popular with the fans because he's kind of got that gruff attitude, and he's just, you know, he's very surly, and he just there's not a whole lot likable about his personality if you see him on a daily basis. And they just haven't, we just haven't seen uh, some things change. And when your offense isn't doing anything, try something different, you know. And that, that's that's what we haven't seen with them. Right. I don't know if that answers the question, but that's kind of where that's the way I see it anyway. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So what do you see? You, you know that I think that this could be uh, somewhat of a uh, have a, a healthy uh, disparage between the two scores on this. What's your thought process on this game? I, I just can't see the Texans winning, to be honest. I mean, I agree with you there. I don't know if it blowout. I don't know. The Texans managed to keep things close. Their defense is relatively good at not giving up the big plays. One of the big plays they gave up last week was uh, Charles James uh, slipped in Green Bay and Charles James got cut on Monday so that's the end of him and that, that's the problem like I said with the cornerback issues now they, they could give up big plays maybe this week if if Joseph is, isn't playing and with the depth at cornerback but that they manage usually to stay in games I don't see a I don't see a blowout against the Colts when they've been blown out it's been against teams uh on the road yes but teams far better than the Colts the Vikings don't look as good right now uh, the, when the, when the Texans played them, they were a much better looking team. The blowout against the Patriots was kind of this weird Thursday night game. The Broncos game, I, I didn't think of it as a blowout. The score looked worse than it was. The Texans were in the game, and then they had a, a key turnover late in the game. There was a, a fumble, and then the Broncos go down and score. They get the ball back, and they, they score again, and then it looks worse than it was. But, uh, yeah, I, I would be surprised if the Texans lost by two touchdowns. I guess ten points wouldn't be crazy like like what you said, but uh, yeah, the Texans, I, why, I don't know why I should pick them to win. I just can't see a scenario. Yeah. Both teams like kind of, uh, they were even on the uh, turnover battle in the last game and both teams only had seven penalties. They didn't necessarily either one of them shoot themselves in the foot in those regards, but I think that the teams, each team's defense is the most critical juncture and point in this game. Uh, the Colts absolutely have to have a fantastic uh, showing out of their defense, 
and the Texans simply just have to limit Andrew Luck and and be hopeful to get a turnover. This might be the biggest game of the year in the division, period. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it could decide everything. You said the Titans' schedule is, is much tougher, and you know that, that will play a factor into it. So this could be the game that decides who wins the division, and if that's the case, you guys look like you might be in the driver's seat to me. I would agree, although uh, stranger things are, are definitely uh, having the ability to happen. I mean, it's it's amazing how you're in week 14 or heading into week 14 and you feel like you've got uh, 15 different games that could go in one way or the other. You know what I mean? It seems like you're nowhere near the end of the season. And uh, I think that's only because they've been so up and down. Their peaks and valleys have been so noticeable and so defined that it's really hard to tell from week to week what you're going to get. Yeah. Well, I, I just uh, I don't know if I've got anything else to add. I was just going to wrap up the show, and I'm looking forward to this one. We'll see what happens. Uh, I know you're uh, at Matt Danley underscore NFL for any of the Texans, locked on Texans people that want to check out and see what's going on with the Colts uh, on the other side of the equation uh, in the division. And you, you also write for FanRag Sports, right? That's right. That's right. You want to check us out? We're we're at Locked On Texans, and our Facebook is, uh, of course, Locked On Texans. You can find us there. Just like same with you guys at Locked On Colts, and the Facebook is Locked On Colts. Uh, if anybody wants to follow, great to talk with you, Matt. Always fun, and uh, we're looking forward to it. Hopefully, we'll do this again next year. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Last thirty seconds here. Let's let's pop out prediction real quick. What do you got? You like a score, don't you? I I do. Yeah, it's fun. Oh no. Well, I, I, I can't, <laughs> let, let me just make an obvious prediction that uh, the Texans will not score more than 20 so that's the Texans so I can let me put them I'll give them a 17 points this week and and we'll give the Colts 24 I I was pretty close last time if you remember I do I do you were real close I'm going similar to you I'm going 28 17 Colts all right that sounds good great to talk with you Matt hey you too thanks man you are locked on Texans your daily Houston Texans podcast part of the locked on podcast network your team every day.